This is Talking Ears. My name is Frank Wardinger. And this episode features Brendan Beaver, one of the guitarists in Me Without You. I want to actually take a full two steps back, though, to explain kind of how this particular episode came about. First, this show, Talking Ears, the very first episode features the Me Without You drummer, Ricky Mizuto in which he laid out that harrowing story of how his hearing health experience almost sidelined himself and the band during those last few years. That episode was released right before they embarked on their farewell tour, after over 20 years together, some seven studio albums and countless tours. A few months ago, Brendan reached out to me with one of the kindest messages I've ever seen. He thanked me for my tiny little small role in keeping that band going during the last few years. And because he's seen it firsthand, Brendan is now on this journey to think about how he can help others avoid hearing health issues in the music industry. Throughout this episode, we'll be hearing music by and featuring Brendan Beaver from his bands, Buried Beds, Make a Rising, and Me Without You. But we're gonna start this episode by listening to a selection from Small Stories, which is a short film that he described as a love letter to the city of Philadelphia. Philly, we rented this huge house and it was just literally built to make music. That was what we constructed it to do. So much as that we were soundproofing the whole first floor to just be it's so contained, right? And which on on one hand, it was great because you could stand outside of this house and you couldn't hear a thing. We really did a pretty nice. good job of like soundproofing it. On the other hand, whatever loudness we were doing in the room, it was just going straight to our brains. We were just annihilating our brains um, because we just, it was just really loud art noise music, you know, mm-hmm. that we were making a lot of times. And when I say it was my first foray into ear health, it was just because that that's the most tangible memory I have of really just disregarding and just being like, you know, loud equals cool, loud equals like, I've, I can feel it, which is such an interesting thing to think about, like, what, what is it about loudness that, and why is that the metric, you know, of when you really feel something, right? Or when you feel music. And What's your answer to that? I, I don't know. I, I don't <laughs> know why. I mean, I have a fully different perspective on it now, but that's after I've done, you know, years of probably repetitive abuse to my eardrums, you know, so. (laughs) 
With Me Without You specifically, it's interesting yeah. because our our sound guy, Michael Lane, was so cognizant of this stuff. Yeah. He was really integral. He was just like, guys, stop. You need to get in-air protection. And it, it, he's such a consummate professional. He was really mm -hmm. aware of like the crowd, about like, you know, DB yeah. levels to the crowd. You know, uh, it's hard to say because I, I couldn't, I was always in the band, so I couldn't like hear, but I, I could tell. I was like, this is, he's mixing perfectly like he's mixing where people and that you know it, it, the most comments we ever got as a band was after we hired him as our sound guy um with people like oh i can actually hear the band and i'm mm -hmm. like that's not they, they're not saying that because of uh, you know necessarily mixing i mean it was a huge part of it but i think it's also volume i think people were like oh he's mixing in a volume that I can digest, my ears can digest. And Michael Lane. Yeah, he's amazing, amazing guy and such a, a, a pro at his craft and really changed our perspective on that stuff. So we know you from Me Without You as a guitar player. Wonderful band that just recently finished off this plus. But I was curious if you can go all the way back and talk about some of your previous bands, specifically the band Buried Beds. When you sent me that album, I listened to it and it gave me all kinds of feelings, amazing albums, incredible work, creative songwriting, thorough, thoughtful production. But at the same time, I was a little annoyed because it was like you just sent me my favorite album that I just hadn't yet heard. How could I have spent all this time not hearing this album? Can you talk a little bit about kind of what, what led you from that band into Me Without You and what keeps driving you in music? For me, it was always about collaboration. That's what set it off for me and connected me to that stuff. So it's funny, like when, when Barry Betts broke up and actually when Me Without You was breaking up, you know, the, the question that we were always constantly getting is like, well, are you going to do your own solo thing? And like, what's, you know, what's next for you? And, um, I've written plenty of like solo stuff. I've never released it. I mean, part of me is always, it's like locked into the like self doubt, all that classic musician stuff. Right. But some of it is also like, I really connect with collaborate in collaboration and it, it unlocks those feelings for me in a genuine way where if it's through Barry beds with Eliza, like bouncing that stuff off of her and like through years and years and years of doing that together, it's just this symbiotic mm -hmm. relationship where it was just, we were so locked in and that was such a beautiful thing and also keeps you really like grounded in a way, right? Completely. You're not getting too full of yourself of being like, yeah, like listen to this comment, you know, cause Liza would just be like, no, that song sucks. You know, yeah. And I'd be like, oh, all right, you know. You and, need and somebody like that. That's also why I'm so thankful to the how uh, how we had me without you work was it was so democratic and we were just really brutally honest with one another, but also with nothing but love and compassion. You know, as I'm sure you you know you've gotten to know Ricky is just like it's oh, just man. the best. Like they're all just the best dudes, and they, and what you see is what you get. You know, it's yeah. not a it's not a show, and I feel like going being able to to go from one situation into that mm -hmm. was huge for me. And to be like, oh, like not, you know, professional musicians, they're not all scumbags, you know, oh, <laughs> they actually can be nice dudes. Completely. <laughs> so that was actually so nice for me, you know. 
And you know, I count myself as like one of the lucky people in the world because now I've met four out of the five of you guys and me without you. <laughs> We're like Pokemon. You got to catch it's, us all, man. Gosh, man. Aaron's Aaron's my last <laughs> ticket that I got to find somewhere. He's in Idaho, yeah. But each he one of you guys, and I said this to, to all of you because I met Ricky first, I met Greg, Mike, and now I'm meeting you. And it's like each one of you is nicer than the last one. And that is <laughs> that's weird for a group of people. Right. Usually, there's one kind of uh, outlier. Right. What? Well, yeah. Exactly. One spoiled man. So yeah. uh, to, that's nice. Thank you, man. You're so you're I can so see nice. why you would why you would become part of that group. So just to kind of pull the you know zoom out and, and look back yeah. at, the, at the timeline. So you're in Buried Beds, which I say is this incredible band that isn't finding you know the commercial success that really, honestly, if you put your ears to those records, it deserves. And you're traveling and touring with Be Without You, who's got mm-hmm. commercial success. They're they're making bigger and bigger tours, playing with everybody. How did you become then roped in or pulled into that into that band? Well, it, it's interesting. It it's kind of a sad story in a way, in that um, Aaron and Mike, who are brothers, so the singer and the other guitar player are brothers, and they're um, on a tour they I believe it was the very first tour that they took Barry Beds on although I could be wrong that we did several with them I think it was the first one um their father unfortunately passed away like like basically right as the tour was starting and they were very close with their father and it was a really tragic thing simultaneously around that time one of the two guitar players Chris Kleinberg which is uh, one of their longtime friends who had been in the band had left to go become a doctor, um, which mm-hmm. he was successful doing. Um, so they tried touring as a four piece mm-hmm. uh, during that tour. So it was a very, I have a lot of fond memories of that tour, but I think for them, it was just this really chaotic tour, right? Where sure. they had this, it was a huge tour. There was internal struggle because they were trying to figure out their identity as like a new four piece. Mm-hmm. For us, for me and Barry Betts, it was like, holy this is awesome. Like we're on this huge tour, you know, it was like great for us. We had known them for years, but not in that capacity. And they were just so generous to, they're just like the most generous people. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we weren't selling tickets, you know? So it was like, they were just doing it because they loved the band and they loved us. And that's just how they are as people. There's always been a buzz. The locusts swarming up from underneath our guilty feet. A giant underground with a castle for a crown and ancient fast to see. There's a voice in our ear and a crack in the mirror. A passage left out of the song. All only fortress. Mike had asked me like, Hey man, can you learn? Here's like three or four songs, like maybe come on at the end oh, and cool. play through these songs. So I started doing that. I think maybe midway through that tour or something like that. Um, and then honestly, I never stopped playing with them from that, <laughs> from that point nice. on. Cause Liza and I were also very, 
we weren't precious about the band in the sense of being like, hey, we're we're trying to be musicians, and if one of us gets an opportunity, then we'll we'll deal with it as it comes. And I gotta say, again, me without you, they were they were so amazing about that. They were like, Hey, like if, if you're at, if Barry Betts is ever going on a tour and it conflicts with one of ours, just let us know. I mean, they were, it's like amazing. They went above and beyond making me feel welcome and comfortable. They made that transition so easy, you know, that's awesome. And Barry Betts just kind of like fizzled just because Eliza got picked up by Grace Potter and started touring with them a lot. And then she shortly thereafter joined iron and wine. And so we just both were like, on separate paths, you know, yeah. but like there, there was no anima. It just, it was just Completely. how it happened. You know? And now she's slumming it with war on drugs. <laughs> yeah, she's, yeah, totally. Yeah. She's a full-time member of war on drugs now. So, you know, <laughs> things could be better, man. <laughs> things could be better for her. I just, <laughs> that's so funny. But uh, going back to kind of the original things that you were saying, right. When we picked up the line here was your tie in. I mean, the music thing is the music, right? The mu- it's about the sounds, it's about the songs, it's about the music, but it's also about the people and the collaborations and the community. And that's really what makes the experience. Yep. Right? The experience 100%. is not necessarily the song. The song is what affects the audience. <laughs> and it's right. the reason that you're, that you're working and writing and recording, but the experience is what you remember. And, and the, the, the community is, is really the big part. A hundred percent, man. I mean, and Philly, especially kind of, I kind of had noted this earlier, like my experience was Philly was so just, it was just blossoming with that kind of energy Mm -hmm. when I was kind of first, when I moved back, I should say moved back to Philly, I had gone to Boston for school and I was like, this is a musical city. It's going to be perfect. It's going to be everything I need. And it was just the worst, my experience there. I, I have since come around, I will say for all anyone in Boston listening, I love Boston. I still have a lot of friends there, but, um, it was not the right fit for me. And I was super depressed. And I was like, you know, my friends were starting this, art, you know, like art collective art house. And I was like, I'm coming back to Philly. And yeah. so I did, and I'm sure we'll get into this cause that was where the, the, uh, foray into bad ear health started, but, but still I, what I know when I came back to Philly, it was just the community was so open and the receptive to one another. And it was just like everything I had ever wanted in, in a musical community, you know? Mm -hmm. And I, I just kept that as my through line for any, you know, if I was in a bunch of bands, but, but, you know, if it didn't have that at the heart of it, Mm -hmm. um, I soured pretty quickly. It was just kind of like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not in this you know, I'm not going to grind if, if we're not like, if the energy isn't right, if it's, you know, if we're not, if our heart isn't in the right place. And so I got really, really lucky, no doubt about it. I got really lucky to be around. I was around, you know, like I said, I'd lived with the Dr. Dog dudes and those guys have been my closest friends for so long and still are. And it's, um, I was just so fortunate to be around those kind of people where it's just like, Oh, they're, they're amazing musicians, incredible songwriters, and also just great people. They're just Mm -hmm. like really great people. And I just was like, all right, I'm not losing that. I'm just going to, I'm holding on to that as much as I can, you Mm -hmm. know? And I, I struck gold in that way, you know? That's awesome. And that's why, you know, then to bring it all the way around, um, to ear health. And I'm, I'm really curious to hear what you said about like, that maybe that's the beginning of it. But um, just to tie a little bow on that thought is like, this is the reason why the music community is so important, right? Is because those who have experienced that community aspect know that it's not just a person picking up a guitar and feeling like, oh, isn't it fun to play a song? It's, it is your, it's your livelihood, it's your life, it's your passion, it's your community, it's, the, it's your family, you know? Those other right. people who are getting totally. injured on stage or getting 
or possibly maybe making a bad decision or not understanding how they could possibly help themselves better. That's the same as your family making a unhealthy choice and it, and it affects you in the same emotional way. A hundred percent. I, I, you know, and before we were doing this podcast, I was doing a lot of reflection. Um, and I, you know, I'd listened to your episode with Ricky mm-hmm. and, uh, brought up a lot of like, you know, unpleasant memories of just that time sure. of just, um, how important this stuff is and how, and we all recognize this, but way late in the game. In fact, it was funny. I, I looked up an email cause I was like, when did we first get on IEMs like with the band? Cause I was like, it didn't feel like it was, you know, ancient history or something. I looked up, yeah. it, it was 2017 of wow. in the band when we finally got on IEMs. That that band is like a twenty year old. You know, the band had been around yeah. for like twenty years. So so, it puts in perspective how long it took a band that a successful professional band that took for us to get on IEMs. You know, mm-hmm. and and to even just be thinking about ear health. And yeah, to kind of go back, we rented this house. It was our art project, basically. And we we, we literally blocked out all the windows with soundproofing so that mm-hmm. we could just make music all the time, as loud as we want, which is kind of where I'm going with this, with complete disregard of our, mm-hmm. <laughs> our ear health, you know? Uh, and the house in question that I'm talking about, it was so funny because at the time we were like raw foodists. We were like so into like, personal like physical health and all this stuff yet we would turn our amps as high as they could go right next to our ears and just go you know what i mean without any thought of it you know i was at the time i was getting really into like art rock and like i was really into the sun rock orchestra and like so i was getting really into like noise and like all this and so you know loud equaled cool plugging our XLR mics into the same amp that we're playing our guitars through. And so the minute you stop playing guitar, you're just getting like, you know, this crazy feedback. And it's just like, yeah, man, like the stuff that we would put our ears through, it's unimaginable to me now. It's, it's seriously unimaginable. Um, but we did it. And, you know, I, I spent years doing that. Um, without any thought about it. And now you said it that wasn't twice. until... And I don't mean to interrupt, but like you said that twice, the whole without any thought to it. And I, I want to just... I'm, I'm curious if you can like pull that apart for, for a little... Just for sure. a second. Because a lot of people say this, and it kind of goes back to kind of the whole purpose why you reached out to me in the first place. Yeah. I, I'm always curious, is it that people... Because I, I was in the same boat, I've done the same thing and I can't remember. Was it that we didn't think about it? Like we were, we completely were unaware of the idea of ear health 
or we thought it wouldn't get us. Yeah, it's interesting. I my personal perspective on it is, you know, I can think back to going to punk shows or hardcore shows or any shows at that time that were just like with zero ear protection. Mm-hmm. And remember, I would remember coming out and being like, oh, I can't hear anything. <laughs> you know, it's like, but um, it was almost like it had, we would put a positive spin on it. Like, oh, it was right. so, aw- they were so awesome and they were so loud that I can't hear anything. Right. That, right. that it, it was like, um, it equaled a good show in a way, you know, and that they yep. were, they were just, the band was so rocking that like, I'm deaf, you know. Um, it, right. So I, I thought think, that's what like, the deaf tones just, name meant. <laughs> yeah, like probably. yes rock and roll we did it deftones <laughs> exactly right so i think i think it wasn't li- that it was completely it, it wasn't something i didn't think about at all mm-hmm. but i just had the wrong take on it a lot mm-hmm. of times you know or or i would have the mental um i would be like oh you know my ears my ears gonna heal just like a you know it's just like anything else like i it was just i didn't think of, i didn't know it was like i didn't have the knowledge mm-hmm. um of how precious our ears actually are, you know, and how mm-hmm. things don't heal. <laughs> like, you know, I just didn't know this stuff. And, uh, and I think there's also this collective sort of, especially at least in the scene that I grew up in. I know Ricky and those guys grew up in a similar scene where it was, it, um, it was uncool. Like, you know, mm-hmm. if, if I had like, if I had uh, big sponges in my ears, it's uncool, you know, or it's like, I, I'm not really hearing it. It's like, it, you wouldn't be caught dead with like those big bright orange things in your ears, you know, completely, um, which is a real shame. It's a real travesty. It's a real shame that it had like a, a slight social, you know, there was like a social mm-hmm. element to it of, you know, but it, I mean, it it's def- pretty dweeby. You know, if even if look, and uh, Dwan and I are safety dudes, I can still say it. It's kind of dweeby, right? There's a, there's a, <laughs> that's a good word for it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's just kind of like a, there's a poindexter kind of quality to like, like this show is too loud for me, so I'm gonna play. Uh-huh. You know. You know what's funny though? I I, I want to say, I fully agree, and yeah. it was such a weird thing until I got IEMs, and IEMs have a weird cool factor to totally. them that yeah. I've. It, you know what I mean? It There's goes something right beyond the pale s- into cool again. A hundred percent, because you're like, oh, I see all these like really huge bands, and they all have this thing in their ear, and they're always like fiddling with it, and like it becomes part of the like the the uh the vibe you know of like mm-hmm. a, a professional musician you know and i i'll fully admit man when we got on iems i was like that was there was that element that was peppered in there of being like oh I'm, we're finally a band that has iems and like now we're like on a, a certain level you know but really beyond that it was more about oh i can move anywhere on this stage and i hear the exact same thing that was like yeah. a revelation to me that's such know, that a was huge, everything to me yeah. huge performance and increase there oh my god huge Some 
exist. How long did it take you guys to get used to him when you first got the IEMs? It depends on who he asks. So for like for Aaron, if Aaron was the first person to get them, um, because he was, you know, uh, as you probably know, like his classic move is to like he was would launch out into the crowd in the early days and like, um, which also wreaked havoc on his in ears uh, eventually. But oh, sure. he, you know, he would lose all music and all sense of like what was going on and. Um, when I moved into the band, I come from a much more like vocal background. And so it became a much more like vocal heavy band in a way. I'm not saying like I brought that, but I, Mm -hmm. that was just sort of the world I came from. So he got really interested in harmonies and kind of the, you know, the Barry Beds world of like where I kind of came with composition as far as vocal layering and all that kind of stuff. And that was like my bread and butter. So that live translated into him being like, I need to be able to hear myself. It wasn't so much from a perspective of like, we need to take care of our ears, at least for Aaron. But it, for me, it was like a two, it was, uh, we, we got two birds, one stone kind of thing, mm-hmm. you know, where it's like, all right, well, you'll be able to hear yourself and we'll also not be going deaf every show, you know? Mm-hmm. And once he was on it, it took him a long time. It took him, you know, he always did like one ear out, one ear in. And then, you know, it wasn't until we all got the fully closed uh, cause we, you know, we were working with like the sure, I forget what they, the model number, but it was the sure ones that were just basically glorified, like earbuds. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're earbuds that go up instead of down. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. They weren't fully enclosed. Once I made that transition, it was just like lights out for me. I was like, Oh, this is, this is everything I've ever wanted, you know? Mm-hmm. But I think, I think for, so for me, it was almost instantaneous. I think for Aaron, it took a little while. And for, uh, I think for Ricky, it, he he knew it was like a. He, I think he knew he needed it. It was a lifeline for him. Yeah, right. Exactly. So I think for him it was just like I may not love this right out of the gate, but like I've got to do it. You know. Mm-hmm. And then he ended up just being like, oh, this is like CD quality all the time. You know, he mm-hmm. loved them. You know, we all ended up totally just being like, where has this been our whole career? Yeah. You know. But and you know the reason why I asked that is because a lot of people get hung up on not hung up. That sounds very. Um, judgmental but a lot of groups think either i can't get to it because of either the price or because it's going to change too much and then when they do try it i find a lot of groups don't give it the the break-in period to like really get used to it i always say like like i wouldn't hand you a brand new instrument and then say go go on stage with this new instrument practice with it rehearse with it get comfortable um it's just like any other gear but in fact it's more than any other gear because it's changing the way you're hearing everything on stage but um, I like hearing your perspective, and this is why this conversation is so important, and now maybe maybe we'll finally get there, but um, why this conversation is so important, because you have that perspective that so many people who have this conversation with individuals don't, which is, I've been on both sides of that, I've been on big stages, I've been in small stages, I've been in small clubs, big clubs, loud bands, quiet bands, I've had that experience, you know, and that... that yeah really helpful. Yeah, I, I, it's exactly right. I, I think it, you know, it's, it's benefits really, it does take time for the benefits to fully come into light. Mm -hmm. Like for me, it was, you know, the transition to them was pretty effortless, I'll say. But at that point I was so spent on the regular monitoring, you know, and Mm -hmm. every show being so different. Um, you know, it depends on, Hey, is this a good monitor? Most likely no. (laughs) If it's a bad monitor, you're going to have a bad show, right? It was just this like, that was the analog was just like, it was just, if you, if, if, if the wedge looked you know, look like it had been 
you know, in a punk club for like 50 years, you were going to have a really bad show. And I was so sick and tired of that. So I was just glad to have anything, any lifeline <laughs> that would make my show better. Um, but you're totally right. Where over time, what that, what in-ears proved to be was just like, I mean, we became a much better band. Like there's mm -hmm. just absolutely no way around it. Like we, we became so much tighter and, um, Cause you can hear every, you hear, Oh, I, that's what I'm playing. I'm I, like, I'm not joking. There were songs that I had been playing wrong for like five or six years where I was like, Oh, uh -huh. that's a B chord there. I didn't know because I couldn't hear yeah. this. You know, I, I couldn't hear the song really, you know, I'm just playing through it, you know? And so all of a sudden being able to make those changes was was a hundred percent because it was clear through our in-ears and it was manageable. You know, you're like, Oh, I need to bring the drums down and the bass. It was just like the, the sky opened up, you so know, cool. but, but you're right. It took time to really get there and mm -hmm. you had to like live in it and understand this is a whole new thing that my ears are adjusting to. Because loud doesn't necessarily mean literally dB SPL. Like loud doesn't necessarily have to mean it is higher on the scale. I mean, you guys are also a loud band in the sense that if nobody's ever seen what a Me Without You concert looks like, right. like image search that because it is the most, like the stage is loud. It's exciting. You have, I mean, there's, I'm not going to give it away, but so much stuff. And you guys are yes. jumping. And like, as you mentioned, Aaron's leaping off the stage and losing his mind. And, and Ricky, I've never seen a person move as much as he does when he plays the drums. Yeah. I mean, you're, that's what I mean by like, you guys are loud and that you're, you're out. I see what spoken, you mean. Yeah. Like also, like it, it has a multiple meaning word. It's a fun word. A hundred percent. I mean, it, it, the band, when I, I mean, even before my tenure in the band, it was a known thing. It was a, this quantity about me without you was that its energy was like mm -hmm. just unparalleled. And it's, it was always true. And, you know, Ricky will forever be my all time favorite drummer because I mean, one, I love the dude, but I also, it's just like, you've never seen anyone play drums like him, you know? And um, he always like beats himself up about like, I have like one mode, you know, it's like just going, he always is working on dynamics. But the thing is he, all the truth is he always had dynamics. He's got dynamics and spades. It's just how he plays. He just plays with such, um, yeah, just such energy and such power. Mm -hmm. um, that is, that's what's so special, you know, but it's also, I think it's also what did his ears in before yeah. we ever started this, you know, mm -hmm. this kind of journey. Um, but you're, you're right. It, it, it's, it's that hard thing where it's like, well, that's also what makes me without you, me without you too. So yeah. it's, it's this hard thing. And I think like when we were first venturing into the idea of getting on inner monitors, there is, I think there's probably a little bit of a, 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 a thread of like, well, I don't want to lose that. Yeah. You know? And if we get, if we start taking care of our ears, not, not, it's not, that wasn't the perspective. That wasn't the narrative it was like, well, if I take care of my ears, I'm going to lose that. It was more like, well, if I start using these things to kind of close up shop mm -hmm. on my ears, then 
um, I'm going to lose that sense of like that tether to the crowd and that tether to, which I, I'll be in full disclosure. Like I think that was still parts of the discussion, even towards the end of our career was like learning how to be like, well, we got to put crowd mics into our ears yep. that helps connect. And we, we still were figuring all that stuff out even Completely. all the way up to the end, you know? Cause I think it, and maybe you can reflect on this or, or tell me if, if I'm off base or if you agree, but I think that people are attracted to or interested in or want to watch and see and listen to things that are done with like, with power or with wild abandon, because a person who has the power to like, you know, skirt the rules and, and, uh, skip over, like, you know, jump the line, skip the, skip the safety steps. That's, right. that's the person that like we want, like as a society or as a, as a human, we want to follow because like, that's, it's interesting to watch. And that's another like meaning of that word loud. It's like, that's a loud activity, a loud action that that person's taking. And like, by being loud, I want, it's almost like de facto leadership or de facto follower creator. And that's kind of right. what a rock band is. You're, you're yeah. on stand on stage showing wild abandon and yeah. Uh, we can do whatever we want to do up here and you're going to be following us and it's going to be, boy, hold on. It's going to be, it's totally. Going to be and I, I think, and, and there was a factor, I think, especially when you get into like punk music or, or like heavy rock music, there is definitely a line of like, well, I'm here to kind of disregard, mm -hmm. um, safety, you know, in, a, in yeah. a lot of ways, you know, like, and that was the fun of it. Like, I, I can't tell you how many punk shows I went to where it was like it, the reason I'm there the band was always shitty. Sorry, I, I don't know if we can curse in here. The yeah, band was always bad. Yeah. Yeah, the, the band is is like, you're like, yeah, I don't care. It, but, they're, but they're playing with such abandon and I'm in the throes of this crowd, right? And we're just throwing ourselves around. I'm getting punched in the face. I'm getting stomped on. <laughs> um, that is nothing That is nothing but disregard, right? For yeah. our well-being in a lot of ways. And so um, it makes sense to me that... Um, you would you would do the same for like what would when I say invisible I mean it's you know it's not like oh, I'm getting an, uh, my eye punched out right but your ear in a sense is like an invisible factor to the you you, to, you don't know what damage you're doing to it you know mm -hmm. and so it makes sense to me that it's like it's easy to look back and you know and be like oh well, of course I should have been taking care of my ears but I can understand why in the time when I was like well I wasn't caring about like getting punched in the face in the middle of this like show. So why would I be caring about my ears? You it's know? not, it's not really um, compatible thought process really. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, but, that's so cool. But yeah, but it's definitely stuff that I, you know, retroactively I look back now and I'm like, man, it's, it's crazy. And my perspective of being in bands with inner, inner monitors, like um, it became a real necessity because my life was, you know, nightly shows, <laughs> so, you know? So it was like, all right, well, it, we just were really late to the to the take on it, but you know, yeah. I'm glad we did something eventually. You know.
This is kind of then leading into chapter two or act two of this whole conversation because you reached out to me saying you are done with me without you. You guys have, have hung up the, the sword, so to speak. You're thinking about the big question, the big what's next, what's what's the next phase. And you said something in your email that really gave me pause, which was that you wanted to maybe use that energy to create positive uh, motion for hearing health. Yeah, I mean it's it's a it's a multifaceted uh, topic because on on the one hand it's like you know this is a first for me of like kind of all right well we've retired the band and um, you know I'm I, I've become a full stay at home dad which has a lot of it's awesome I love it um, but I I also you know it's like I've I've been going I've had some trajectory right for most of my like adult life. Mm -hmm. Um, and that has been in the music world. And so it's what I know and it's what I'm like comfortable with. Um, and to let that go has been a a weird kind of death in a way, Mm -hmm. um, for all of us. Uh, but what, you know, I still, it's still like so much, it's still a huge part of my life and will forever be a huge part of my life. Mm -hmm. Um, in what capacity, I don't know, but, um, you know, I, what it's, an element of what I took away from that stuff is uh, the care about, you know, the, the love for people that I, that I grew up around. And we kind of talked about this earlier about the, the sense of community and taking care of one another. And that was such a huge, that's what I'm left with when all is said and done. Um, and that's such a great feeling to be like, Oh, I'm around. I still, I still care about those me without you guys, you know, they are yeah. still my family. And, um, and how much, you know, when Ricky was going through all his um, dilemmas with his ear and how how tragic that was and how you re- honestly like you saved <laughs> you saved him. You were a you were the reason that we were able to to do what we wanted to do and finish it. And um, I will forever be thankful for that. And um, so I, I guess what I'm trying to get at is like the, the to, to establish and to keep that community going it's interesting to me to be like, Oh, Hey, like there may be people that I know that, um, are start, you know, that were in my shoes They're you know, they're in their teens now or whatever. And they're starting bands. Quick side note here. I taught guitar for like eight years in Philly for a while when, when the, you know, it was kind of in between when the bands wouldn't, weren't touring. So many of those students, I'm still, I still keep in contact with their like and and a lot of them are starting bands and it's so awesome to watch their trajectory. It was like, oh, they're they're doing what I was doing, you know, and it's so much fun to watch. So I think about stuff like that. I'm like, man, if someone that I trusted and that I really looked up to or something when I was their age was like, hey, listen, yep. you're gonna it's so awesome that you're doing this band and like you should take into consideration, you know, just something you should think about, like um, taking care of your ears, you know, and why that's important when it's coming from someone who's been through it, it's so much more powerful. Right. And 100%. so it's just something that like, yeah, it was, I came, I came to you not with like any kind of like specific narrative on that or like mm-hmm. any idea, but it was something to be like, all right, this is, this gives me energy. This fills the tank a little bit, the idea of it. Mm-hmm. I don't even know. I don't know what it, that means. I don't know what it looks like. Um, but it was something that's like really fascinating, interesting to me. And then when I like looked more into you, I was like, oh, this dude's doing this. Like, this is awesome. Like he's doing this very, this is so cool. You know, obviously he's way more professional in this field than I, but it was still something where I was like, it was cool to find someone that is like, 
<laughs> like a professional on it, but also a musician. And like, you come from it from that perspective. And that's so cool. And that, so that's kind of was like, Hey dude, this is really cool to me. Like, you know, and what are some, you know, what are ideas like, but again, I don't know if it's like a pipe dream. I don't even know what it is. It's just that, you know, cause I'm, I'm at a different phase in my life. And yeah. so it's, you know, it's not like I'm in my twenties being like, Hey, like, what do I go to school for? It's like, it's a different conversation. And that's, that's its own little philosophical quandary I could be in. But to me, it's like, uh, you know, I, uh, it's just an interesting field to me. It's stuff that I've had tangible, you know, history with, with yeah. your health and, um, so it's, yeah, so I'm just kind of, right now I'm, I'm floating wherever the wind takes me. And right now this is, this is where the wind's blowing, you know? So. I mean, <laughs> it's, there's no, there's no answer. Right. And this is why I wanted to have this conversation and just, you know, this is the second or third conversation you and I have had, which is, we just decided to finally hit record because, um, I think it, it would help other people who are in similar shoes or in, as you said, those folks who are starting out in like it would be so nice if we heard when we were their age, a uh, first person perspective, a actual helpful perspective on this, that, that right. gave some uh, reality to the situation and didn't make it a uh, black and white earplugs are cool or not cool. It was more of a uh, be conscious of it the same way you're conscious of what you're eating. Just like you were very right. healthy people who wanted to be vegans and, and, you know, save the earth and everything. Hey, we should also care about some other parts of our body, especially the part of our body right. that allows us to hear the music we're creating. Exactly. Yeah. And we so often, right. We so often don't, we disregard our own like health. Right. Yeah. But we, you know, if you're a loving, like compassionate person, you care about others around you. And this was, this was my scenario with, with someone like Ricky, right. Someone who I deeply, deeply care for, um, to see him going through that. Um, and knowing that like, you know, and I think he deals with this too, like knowing, oh, that all this could have been like avoided, you know, yeah. I'm laughing just because I'm like, it's so, it seems so crazy to me looking back on it now. But, um, yeah, knowing that like, that's all it takes is just like talking to people that you love, you know, and just being like, Hey, like there's, we're doing something where, you know, I, it's not, a, it's not a rejection of the music or anything like that. It's just, it's like you said, it's, the, it's taking care of yourself and it's awareness. It's just mm -hmm. awareness. It's like being aware of something, which it's profoundly sad how many people are not aware mm -hmm. <laughs> of it, you know, in, in positions where it's a, it's a travesty that they aren't. It's like, you would think that they would be, you know, but completely. And you know, my shortest answer, and maybe this is what I said when we were chatting before I, I tend to repeat myself, but uh, my shortest answer to all of it is, you know, if your goal is to to be that voice that allows or to to express and to to help with the i think of it like public health this kind of like what we're doing like right. the show what i you know any kind of like outreach that we do um if that's the goal honestly we we should take a page from like the modern media world like you know I don't know if you know Pat Finnerty. Um, there's YouTube people. I know him are, very well. Oh my oh, God. Yeah. yeah. So there's people who uh, are able to uh, create language out there that so many people respond to. And I mean, his is a very right. goofy angle on things, but uh -huh. if somebody, you know, maybe he can teach us how to do a YouTube video that gets a million views and we can. Uh, <laughs> yeah. He's been working on it, man. He's, <sighs> he, it took him a while to figure out that algorithm in the early days I did a, I did. He, he called me. Um, he lives right down the street from me, but he, he called me. He was like, I need you to come. 
I'm going to drop a microphone out of my window into the, my alley, uh-huh. and I want you to sing. Um, I sang Big Time by Peter Gabriel. Peter Gabriel is one of my all-time oh, yeah. favorite uh, artists. And I was like, okay. So I went <laughs> literally in an alley and sang Big Time in an alley. And that was like, that was in the infancy of what he, you know, he would not do that now. Maybe he would, but he would get oh, like, he would a lot of views for it now. But, you know, in, the, in those, it was just, he just carved away at it. it was, it's amazing what he's built, man. Yeah. It's something else. But I think that's, I think that's the answer, right? Is that there's people who are able to, um, to, to get people to listen, right? And if we can somehow harness both sides of that, doing what you're trying to do, talking to people, just making them realize that this isn't this isn't just the safety nerds this is also the people who've been on stage think about this and wish that you knew this yeah That's that's only one kind of angle because then the other angle you were saying was like is there is there a place in actual hearing health, you right? Know? And and that's a really intriguing question. Yeah, yeah, it's weird because I I think like uh, the personal side of me, and this is probably true for I, I think every one of me without you I could say even though it's like we're a, a you know a moderately successful band on like a large stage and all this stuff, as far as that goes we were all pretty camera shy like when none of us really wanted to be on that say you know what i mean we did but we didn't um it we it was not a place that we always felt super comfortable sure um and we certainly didn't always feel very comfortable having like a weird social platform or something like that you know i mean we all had our own like you know politics and whatever but it was one of those things where it was like yeah it's uh, in the early, I think in the early days of me that you, it was like Aaron really struggled with that kind of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not going to speak for him, but it was something where um, we were really reticent to be like, here's what we think and here's what you should think. You know, we were yeah. very uh, aware of like, okay, that that's like a, that's a world that we don't want to get involved in. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's funny. It's with stuff, stuff like this, it feels very, it's, it's not, you know, it's, it does. It feels. It's not a political issue. You know right. what I mean? To it me, it's natural. Like, oh, this is just right. This is like a. This is just your health. This is like mm-hmm. you. Hey, you have to eat food to like survive. Like, you should also be aware that you, like you can permanently damage your ears. Like mm-hmm. you know, that's something that's like really good for musicians to know. So that seems like a no brainer. You know, completely. But what we're doing with this is obviously just collecting stories, essentially, um, because the more, the more first person perspective stories it's not hammering down down anybody's throat it's not telling you the kid or whoever's listening like what you need to do it is um you know take it or leave it this is another conversation and if and if this conversation resonates with you or the hundredth conversation we do resonates with you then we've won right finally yeah totally um, because yeah, changing the narrative, I think, you know, it's like completely. the, or creating the narrative really. I mean, mm-hmm. it's like the, how, how absent this kind of narrative was in my career as a musician is astounding. Like mm-hmm. just something that just was not in my wheelhouse at all, you know, mm-hmm. and, and seeing, seeing where it would lead, you know, with someone I was in a band with, um, is, it's just crazy. No one would ever want that to happen to their friend or bandmate or any, or, or yeah. concert goer, you know what I mean? It's exactly. like, it's just, it, 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 
it's just crazy. You just don't think about this stuff. I think I mean, some people definitely do and more power. Like Greg, you met Greg, I assume, right? Yep. Great guy. And Greg was always, he was just like Mr. Ear Protection, always. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, and it's, you know, so some people are, are it's just they are naturally aware of it, but, you know, too, mm-hmm. too far too many are not. Was Greg the one who was really into woodworking and building a... That's Mike. That's that was our Mike. other, okay. yeah. Because mm-hmm. when I walked yeah, into Mike his was, place, he had about six pairs of earmuffs laying around that we had to move. I was like, <laughs> funny right, enough, those were pro- those were here. probably Greg's. Oh, cool. that probably left behind from rehearsals. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Greg would Greg would wear uh, the sponge, you know, the the like spongy earplugs, uh-huh. but then he'd put the chainsaw like cans on top. Oh, so okay. I mean, he. He was very, very conscious of his ears. I think, I think he said that he might have visited you or something. He was like, I, I, I remember he said something where he was like, "Oh, your ears are like unbelievably in like good health." <laughs> He's probably the one exception of the band that that's the case, you know. Oh but. man, oh so good. Um, that's that's really good. I mean, so th- that was. I, I struggle to even have like a real big question here as far as this kind of. Uh, as I kind of loosely called it, like the act two here, because um, the the question of like your history, the question of your experiences, getting getting things loud, having like just p- making beautiful albums, incredible bands, and then now having all that kind of come to a halt, and that question of like what's next, it intrigues me so much because you have, and you know, you can speak to this. You have projects. That, in the works, you have, you know, no shortage of people asking to get you on their, on their, um, on their project. Um, it's so intriguing to me that you're thinking, you know, how can I, how can I give back and create like a, a positive aspect here from, from a hearing health and awareness perspective? Yeah, I, I think, I think for me specifically, I have found you know, post me without you, which is still relatively fresh. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, my musician friends aren't going anywhere, and so, mm-hmm. so so music projects aren't really going anywhere. And um, I'm super fortunate to be around people who are like, "Hey, like, come and jam on this," or you know, like, "I want you to be part of this project." That's su- it's super great. Um, but I also real I also realize that like ear health specifically, if people aren't aware of that stuff those things don't matter. Like you, if you know, like I think I, it's a real sad thing with like Ricky, it's like, I would love to go and jam with that dude. Right. And I, hopefully we will someday, you know, but his ear health is a real thing. It's a real concern and it limits, I think it limits his ability to like, you know, sit and play for hours at a time. I think he's gotten way better. He's like conditioned himself to be able to know how to handle it. But it's, you know, you know, firsthand, I mean, Mm -hmm. that it's a real struggle for him. And, that is really sad. And that is something where it's like, oh man, if like, if I'm only gonna, if I'm gonna be a musician for my life, which I assume that's, I mean, that's all I know, mm-hmm. right? That if this really affects people in that, in that way, um, it's, we have to, we've got to change the narrative. We have to like have people understand that it's a real thing because it will, you know, even, even though I'm like a, I hate to keep, I hate to keep saying like retired, but you know, if, if me that use a retired band, uh-huh. it's, it's still something that like, I want to still be able to play music with my friends. And, um, but if my ears go, then, you know, that's it, you know, right. that is, 
that is like my, I don't want to say my livelihood. It was my livelihood, but if, you know, it's, it's so integral to my life, you know, completely. And so it's, it's, to me, it's like, it is an instrument. Your ear is an instrument in a way. Mm -hmm. And if you lose that, um, <laughs> you know, you, you really do have to hang it up. You know, you truly are retired <laughs> at that point, you know? Yeah. Like I said, I, I can't drive home enough that how the awareness of now looking back retroactively of just like the invisible importance of the ear <laughs> and how it was everything to, it was everything, it's everything that I did, you know, but I completely took it for granted for so many years. Um, and that's not to like beat myself up about it. It's just, it's just, it's how it is. It's just how it is out there. Um, and I think I think things have come along, uh, you know. But it's there's a lot of ground still to cover, you mm -hmm. know. And to be able to have a firsthand account of it in my own band um, of how it really affected us, and I mean, you know, had a lot to do with us being like, hey, there's a lot of there's a lot of glaring reasons that I think we should hang this up, and that I I, I would be remiss if I did, if I didn't say like that was that was in the mix that mm -hmm. was in the mix of like, hey, we have a guy that we love and we care about who's like struggling his ears are struggling and all of us to some degree had that narrative a little bit i think ricky obviously had it the worst but mm -hmm. and that was part that was part of the narrative in there of just being like we love each other we got to take care of each other and there's no reason to keep making someone do something that's painful to them Completely. you know what i mean it's just crazy and so i don't know if if that narrative can change or that that i i shouldn't say narrative i guess if if that if we can bring more education to people that are in that world, in that sphere, or like I said, like concert goers. Like I, I think about it now all the time. When I go to a concert, I, I'm really aware of you know my ears, and I always have ear protection now. And mm -hmm. that that's new. You know, here I'm. I'm like in my 40s, and I'm like, oh, I'm thinking. I'm now thinking about ear protection. I was like, what am I? What am I doing? You know, yeah. where was I in my 20s when I was just like uh, wild abandon? You know, mm -hmm. but wild abandon is fun <laughs> to watch. It's why. That's <laughs> right. You know? Exactly. Yeah. Oh man. Exactly. And and it really does sit with me. Like you know, the idea of Ricky, for instance, Ricky Mizuto, both of our favorite drummers, not playing drums anymore. When he told me that he might not play after that, I like a part of like this little tiny part of my heart just like fluttered away, and I'm like, oh come, yeah, uh, no, 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 no. That the world needs more of that. Whatever you're doing, the world needs more of that. It's like losing the way, and this is a stupid thing, and I've said it before, but it's like there's a timeline, there's a future timeline where the world keeps having your music. If you can't do it because of ear health or really any other health issue or any other issue that stops you from playing music, you know, commercial issues like with, with your earlier group, like things that just take it away, 
the world no longer has that flavor. The world no longer has that. And like like Juan said, and it's really kind of uh, deep, is it's more important to the world than it is even to you probably or even than you realize. And, you know, like that, oh man, I'm just so sorry that I keep coming back to that Barry Beds album, but like, that oh please the man. first you one that what? i heard we yeah. didn't get it at the time so i'm i'm all aboard getting it now all right <laughs> but like that, that first one that i heard um was it was like instantly my new favorite record and like the to imagine i want to imagine a world where for the next 30 years you keep making records like that like not exactly like that but you know what i mean with the same thoughtfulness to arrangement and creative creativity and the world needs that. I know there's so much out there, but the world still needs it. It's still helpful. Yeah, I, 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 I thank you so much. It's, it's so nice. Of you. I can't wait to get this podcast, Eliza, because it'll mean a lot to her as well. But um, I feel that 100. percent And I think about that a lot with Ricky specifically, just because. Gosh, if he listens to this, he's going to cringe. But I mean this 100%. Like, uh, <laughs> he's kind of like a magical unicorn, right? He is like a unicorn. He's a unicorn kind of dude in his life, but he's all like as a musician, you know, like knowing him the way that I do as a musician. I, I will never play music with someone like that ever again. And, um, I hear you. Like, to know that, like, oh, hey, you know, because of, ear health, he may not, you know, he may not play in that same capacity again is such a travesty, right? Mm -hmm. It's such a sad thing. Um, and it's, it's, it's different from him just being like, ah, I'm going to like, I, I, I want to hang it up on my own accord, but to know that it was something that like, oh, his ears, his like ear health is, is, um, preventing him from, continuing to put that out in the world is really sad. And it's something that like, um, it, it it just it just brings to mind it being like oh man like so many bands you know small big and small um, may be struggling with the same thing yep. or you know unaware of it and um, the fact that that could, stuff that could be avoided is just mm -hmm. yeah I, again I keep coming back to like the fact that it's I have a first hand account so it, it really sits with me personally mm -hmm. you know I can theorize better all I want and be like oh yeah no it's so important but like seeing it firsthand really brought it into focus, you know. There was a story that you and Ricky talked about. I was glad that he covered because I it was I. It will always be in my mind, um, and I won't recap the whole thing because it's already in a podcast episode. But we had a weird way of recording where we would do um, bass and all rhythm tracks first. It was just the first thing that would happen. Then Mike and I would do all the music and stuff like that, and then Aaron was always the last piece. He was always the vocals. We didn't even we didn't even know vocals before going into a recording session. It was so wild. But um, but Ricky lay down the drums. We go into the room, the control room to listen to it. And there was just this pounding sound that we could not figure out where it was coming from. And, uh, yeah, again, he, he covered this, but yeah, we found out that it was his in-ears of his click was just 
when I say reverberating in the room, it's we could hear it through the walls of a. This is a this is a super professional studio, mm-hmm. and it was that loud. And that was really a moment. I went into the to the uh, to like the studio room and was like, "Oh my god, dude, that is what's in your ears!" Like, and you know, at the time, I even have this memory of us like laughing about it, of just being like, "Holy cow, that's crazy!" You know? Yeah. Um. And it's, yeah, it's, it's so emotional to me now to think about that, where I, it's like, this is, this is, this dude was going through this, you know, he was putting this into it. He didn't, he didn't know, you know, none of us really knew. We knew it was bad. Mm -hmm. We were like, oh, that can't be good, you know, (laughs) uh, but not knowing the repercussions of what was to be after that, you know, um, it's that really just like, yeah, yeah, man, it's just, it's, it's so wild to, to think about, you know. And I'm sure, you know, the Will, the guy who, who produced that record, I'm sure he's probably seen that a million times over, you know? Yeah. But and, now knowing, uh, like, what and, that means, like, what that warning warning shot means, it, it's like, ooh, I don't want to ignore that next time. I want to say something, right? right? Totally. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. If, I mean, it's... And, you know, and to Ricky's credit, like he really became an ambassador of that stuff when he when he started working with you and like really understood, oh, my God, this is what has been going on. And he was really good about that. He was just you would hear him all the time. You know, I mean, his personality is larger than life, but you would, you know, we'd be at shows. I'd hear him talking to other bands. Oh, yeah. You know, you got to make sure you take care of your, you know, (laughs) it became something he was like very um, and good on him for doing. You know, he was like really understood the importance of it. Um because of his own journey, you know. You know, you touched on something when we first chatted about just like getting to know them as people just only it it, it, it only made my whole experience of the band that much better. Mm-hmm. Just being like they are just it was, I'm just I, I was I, I never forget how fortunate I was to like to know those guys and to be be in that band mm-hmm. with a group like that was like just really special, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think it's a testament to like how long it lasted was because of that stuff. You know, there was, you know, I mean, we, trust me, we had our share of, there was a lot of drama in that band, but it's a family. um, It's family. Exactly. I think that that's the, that's the core of it that never, never left, you know, Mm -hmm. which is such a great experience. So. And I think that family aspect of musicians, of bands, of the music world is what makes this such a personal issue. Right. It's what makes hearing health such a personal issue.
I've been asking all my guests this one question, which I'm not sure if I asked Ricky. Um, but I like to ask this question because it is not something that a lot of people think about in the world, um, unfortunately, because of our, you know, the way that our brains are wired and the way our society considers sound and, and hearing. But I'm curious what your answer would be if I asked you, what's your favorite sound? Wow. I didn't know you were going to go philosophical with it. I love it. I mean, it. Um, you know, it's an interesting question. It's a great question. This, I mean, I feel like this is going to be so cliche, but it is, it's totally true. Um, I love the sound of a heartbeat. Mm. It, I, I love a heartbeat sound. Actually, I can, I can tell you <laughs> a few years ago, I went through a pretty like, um, I had a pretty rough year where I was having some, what I thought at the time was like um, heart issues where I, you know, I was, um, having, I had real, a lot of trouble sleeping. Mm -hmm. I was, um, just constantly in my head. It was, it was a wild time, but I was, go I went to start, I went to go see this cardiologist and this was like a year of my life. I, this was happening. Um, I, it, I kind of, I was upfront with the band about it and it was this sort of dilemma I was going through. Long story short, I, you know, I did all the uh, you know, echocardiograms and all these, all this constant testing for like a year was working with this really great, um, cardiologist here in the city. And, um, and ultimately it came down to him being like, listen, your heart looks great. Uh, but it's, I think you need to look at your anxiety and, you know, and th the collective stress that had been just accumulating over years. And he was, he was spot on, but it took me, you know, close to a year to like recognize all that as like an issue. But the reason I'm bringing it up is because in that time, um, the one thing that was so strange that was happening was like my heart. What I was, I was really cognizant of my heart rate, and I was really cognizant of. I, it's like it sounds crazy, but I could hear my heartbeat like at night, and it was actually one of these things where at first it was causing me serious anxiety. I was like, my heart feels like it's gonna like bust out of my chest, and um, it was just keeping me up. And then something changed where I got in real, like I started meditating more and I got really in tune with my heartbeat to where it became this really comforting sound. Um, and so, you know, it's, I don't have that anymore. I don't, I, well, I don't, I don't, you know, it's not like I hear my heartbeat. You do you have know, the heartbeat I'm, though, I hope. I do still have a heartbeat. Yes. I, you know, exactly. <laughs> good, 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 good. <laughs> Knock on wood. I'm, my heart is still beating. Um, <laughs> But uh, it really, it became this thing that became really, um, uh, just really important to me. It be, and it became a very, like, it kind of tethered me to calmness, hmm. in a sense. And what's funny is that, you know, before my daughter was born, um, you know, you start hearing heartbeats a lot, obviously, yeah. right? You're going and getting these. And so I, I feel like I started having this really... A deep appreciation and fascination with the sound of heartbeat. And it's got that softness and this, you know, it's like this roundness to it. And obviously it's a provide, you know, you could get really philosophical with it if you yeah. wanted, you know, it's the life provider, you know, mm -hmm. and all this stuff. But it, it so I, I, that would be my answer. I know, I, like I said, I feel like it's a little cliche, but it, it, it I would say that that's the first sound that came to mind. I don't, I don't know about a little cliche. I, I've never thought about the heartbeat I've never heard anybody else say heartbeat because when you are aware of it, it can cause a lot of stress and anxiety because it usually oh, yeah. means you're aware of it for a problem, exactly. right? Or it's keeping yeah. you up because you're trying to fall asleep and you know this darn thing is banging away. 
That's really interesting though, because what you're just saying, and this goes back to another ear health thing, which is tinnitus. But what you're talking about there is taking this thing that you, that really was a negative in your life for a whole year and turning it into a comfort. That's really intriguing. Yeah. I mean, you know how like when they tell you in meditation, they're like, you know, focus on your breathing. You know, that's always like a central theme, right? To, to kind of like center yourself. During that period of time, I just, I recall um, it was just this ever present thing of just like being so aware of my heart rate. And, you know, I had to wear, I had like a, a heart rate monitor all the mm-hmm. time. It was just, so yeah, it had this real negative slant to it. But um, I think that actually, I think the heartbeat is such a beautiful thing. And it's a, it, and, uh, once I kind of switched it in my mind of being like, all right, like you're, it felt like it was going to go on forever. I'll be honest. Like I was just like, all right, I guess I'm just going to always be aware of my heart. It's always going to feel this way, which just added to more anxiety ultimately. Right. But, um, but yeah, I was able to like switch my mindset to it and have a really nice association. And, um, and really it sounds sounds weird, but I was like really able to focus in on what the heart sounds like, you know? Mm. I mean, this is again, often through when I was getting like echocardiograms and stuff like that, I could hear, you know, it was like, I would hear these like weird warbles and, um, I really liked how it sounded. It sounded like, it sounded almost like a, like it was wrapped in towels or something. I don't know. It just was this weird kind of, uh, underwater sound that I really appreciated. And, um, I like, I like how things like how things, how sound changes when you're underwater. I like really love that sound. I think it's really cool. And the heart is, is that sound to me. It's like very, it's like very underwater and, and somehow like, so it's not sharp. It's not a sharp sound. And I I like that. I connect with that in the sense that I, the only time I have ever thought about a heartbeat was then ultrasounds for my daughters. And then as they're like falling asleep on you as they're little kids um, and you, you kind of are aware of somebody else's heartbeat, yep. which is such an interesting kind of, as a human, kind of an interesting moment to be aware that somebody else has a little heart in their beating. Um, yep. And then suddenly it's important to me because I think like, you know, I'm rooting for that little thing. Like, yep. don't you stop ever. <laughs> it's really exactly. important to me I- that you keep going. I was about to say, like, it can be the cause of even more anxiety, right? Because all of a sudden you're like, okay, this thing is living and breathing. I've never cared about anything as much as I do this thing, right? Mm. (laughs) And like, you know, here I am like having like heart issues and my wife is pregnant and we're just like, oh man, like life is so precious and like delicate, you know, it's hard not to feel that way when you're around, you know, (laughs) this thing that you gave life to, you know? Um, so yeah, my daughter, it's, yeah, it's, that's been its own subset of like joy and anxiety, you know, and still, you know, it's still anxiety is still something very real that I, I deal with. I think, I think as a, as sort of like (laughs) a secondary effect of like what I've chosen to do with my career. And not to keep trying to tie everything into ear ear health, but it, it does, it becomes this thing where it's like, there are so many things about our bodies that we just do not uh, think about mm-hmm. until it's too late in a way sometimes, you know, and, or, or, you know, you're, you're dealing, like you said, like you're dealing with an issue and then all of a sudden you, you're, you have to think about it. Right. Right. 
my heart was something where I was just like, well, I don't know. I wake up and I, I don't think about my heart. And that was a, a period of time where I, I was forced to, which is, you know, on one hand, it's a real shame that, <laughs> that that's the only reason I'm like thinking about these things is because I'm in distress or something. But, you know, but it changes my perspective on it. You know, I, th I, I certainly think a lot more about my heart now than I ever did before. And I think about my ears a lot more than I ever did before. So don't And I'm always intrigued by the fact that, you know, we don't talk about that. We don't talk about what people's favorite sound is, like the, in the same way that we talk about your favorite color, your favorite food, all the other stuff. Because right. I just don't feel like as a society, we we value and appreciate hearing in the same way as we value our other senses. Hmm. Which is a shame because, sorry, those thousands of people don't go to see you on stage because they like the look of you guys. Right. right. No offense. I'm not Certainly saying you don't not. look good. No. <laughs> I'm saying that's not what they're there for. They're there for the sound experience. And yet right. uh, most people on, in that room have never thought about that. What's your favorite sound? Uh, I think that's the thing. Uh, I'd love to have more more awareness in our in our society about sound design, yeah. about sound. Uh, kind of like what you guys did with that art house, you know? Purpose-built right. spaces that are designed for one thing sonically is, is a... Sonically, um, right is an intriguing concept that a lot of people haven't really considered. And, and you were thinking about it when you were 20. So, right. Exactly. I, yeah. I mean, it was funny. It was like the, the impetus was, was because we were like, well, if we know how much music we're going to play and how loud we're going to play it, if our neighbors also hear that we won't be able to do that anymore. So it was more just designed as a means of like, we have to block ourselves from the rest of the world. Clearly it's bad. It, I wish I could say it was designed <laughs> as for our health and mine, but that, that would be a, a lie. No, it was designed for, for the, for the, to serve the sound, to serve the sound. Right. Exactly. To serve the sound. That is, that is definitely true. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. Yeah, which, you know, it's, which is equally, you know, it was important to us at the time. And it was like, it, just to have that, to be able to like play music at all hours and, you know, not have to worry about the world outside was, was pretty cool for its time, you know. So cool. <laughs>
you have anything that you're going to want to plug in the month of December, I have a thing that I think you're going to want to say. Yeah, I mean, I don't probably don't have to plug it, but I, but <laughs> yeah, I would say um, I was super fortunate to work uh, on the Philadelphia Eagles Christmas album, which was super super fun. I was real honored to meet those guys and to be involved in it. And that's coming out. Um, you can buy it on vinyl. I think you'll be able to access it anytime on you know all your streaming platforms. I think on the 23rd. I think it's just coming out December 23rd, I believe. I'm amazed that they're even going to get it out this year just because it was such a mm-hmm. it was a very kind of like a quick whim that we did it and uh, it was a lot of fun. But I, I think it's great. So that's coming out um, yeah, December 23rd. I have to say, Brendan, I've been looking forward to this. This is awesome. It's great that you took the time. I loved that you reached out to me. Just thank you. This is so great. Yeah, man. My, my pleasure. I told you this in email and I'll tell you in podcast form that honestly, if it were not for you, we the band would have ended a long time ago. And that's not an overstatement. It's I mean, it is it is a fact. Like I think had Ricky not found you and you guys did all the work that you did to get him along. It's just, I mean, you really did. You, you, you played a large role in our band being able to like finish what we started. We're all so grateful for that. That means a lot to me. Um, yeah, really drove home. Yeah. The importance of it, you know, for sure. It means a lot to me. And, and just to wrap up kind of our whole conversation, it's all about once you, once you've been in a family, a band and know everybody as family and know the community as for what it is and know that the importance of the activity and the importance of the tour and the event and the recording, it's all about the people. Then you can see every single band and every single musician and every single patient or any every single person that you interact with in the same way and see, look, you are somebody's family and we need to help with this. And I hope that you right. take that, taking that experience and, and running with it and really seeing what you can do to, to, to help um, all those other yeah. families and bands and people out there who need, right. who need the help and the awareness. Yeah, I mean it's it, yep. it, interesting part of my journey. We'll see what happens. You know, I have I have no idea where I'm going. I'm throwing paint at a wall at this point. You know, but uh, yeah, but it's still it's. I know I know that the color of the paint is good. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's a really good place to end on. I, I know the color of the paint is good. <laughs> Talking Ears is a production of Earmark Hearing Conservation. We'd love to hear your thoughts about this episode and hearing wellness in general. The theme music is by Scott Hallam. You can find more of his music at audiodowsing.com. Additional production and editing assistance is by Juan Vasquez and Mary Kim. Thanks for listening. Thank you.